Raising Tech is your guide to understanding the role technology plays in your senior living business strategy and day-to-day operations. Tune in for tech trends, hot topics, and meet the people behind the tech landscape in senior living to gain practical technology knowledge that you can apply in your community today. Welcome to Raising Tech, a podcast about all things technology and senior living. I'm your host, Amber Barden, CEO of Parasol Alliance. Today, we have a very special guest, Jack York, co-founder of INTL, an engagement company for older adults in senior living communities. Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been in this industry for quite a while, and I would really love to hear your story and how you got started in this field and how that led you to co-found INTL. Can we start with having you share your story with our listeners? Oh, you are right. A long while. I, I, I call myself the the Jimmy Stewart of Asian and technology companies, but most people don't know who Jimmy Stewart is, so I need a different uh, different analogy. But no, I, I'm uh, I, I spent you know, my early career in the Silicon Valley world, working for a, a, a large semiconductor company called Siliconics and then Vache. And I, people think I'm a technology guy. I was a total sales and sales and marketing guy. Uh, and when I was moving in on 40, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Leslie Sweeney, who's one of the co-founders of the company, she had the idea to donate some computers to a local assisted living community in Long Beach in Southern California. And never thinking of it as a business, I had money and no time and she had time and no money. So we, we donated some computers and it, um, it was just, it was fascinating to see what happened. It was a very small, you know, this is 1998, you know, right as the computing world was starting. So it was way ahead of the curve in terms of, of the technology impacting older adults, but it really struck a chord with me. And then it's a long story that I won't go into all the details, but about six months after that, uh, my mom died and, and I was turning 40 and it just, you know, I just wanted to do something that I felt better about. And so my nickname has always been uh, ready, fire, aim. So just uh, we, my brother and I and Leslie jumped off a cliff and started a company without having any idea of what we were what we were getting into. I'm curious about the name. How did you come up with the name of the company? Yeah, so it's 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 you know we we kind of go by IN2L now as abbreviation, but it was it's never too late. And it was it's funny because it looks like we were trying to be clever with the number two. It's never too late, and it was just a matter of trying to find a URL in 1999 that we could. We were trying to be it's never T O O late and T O late all these things. We couldn't find it, but it was with uh, uh, with with that number that we got it. But, and, and I like it when people ask the question, cause it was my brother, my brother, unfortunately died about four years after we started the company. And then the, and the name was all him. And it was all, it was really just trying to convey a, a context of don't put limitations of aging into doing something that's new and different. And, and that's really, that's what it was, what it, what it was kind of all about. Can you describe how that initial donation of computers led to the creation of the software and what exactly it is that it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think, you know, in retrospect in a, you know, a 22 year retrospect, I think it was beneficial, frankly, that I didn't have any experience in senior living because you didn't, I, I didn't look at it through, you know, well, we do things this way because that's why we do things. And so, like I said, I had no idea about the industry. I had no idea about any of these, you know, what we were kind of getting into. But as I talked to people, 
And as I observed, you know, you'd go into a community and you'd see people that were, you know, that were full of, of, of life and vibrancy in their, in, in their 70s, 80s, 90s. And when you looked at the activity programming, uh, you know, incredibly well-meaning people, but they were being treated like 10-year-olds. You know, it's, it, it's teachers and welders and lawyers and doctors and, you know, whatever they were in their life. But the, you walk into an activity room and they're, you know, let's throw a beach ball around and, it, it, and just, just things that were like, just didn't made no sense to me. And so I think it, it just was a lot of, you know, there's got to be a, a more dignified way to do this, but still let people enjoy where they are, wherever they are physically or cognitively. So one of the things really, you know, to answer your question about the product, one of the things that was really interesting for me in this industry relative to what I came from, I came from this, like I said, this whole Silicon Valley world where, you know, a compact wasn't going to tell a Dell, wasn't going to tell an Apple you know, what they're doing, everything was, was so closed mouth. It was fascinating for me how open senior living uh, providers were about, and so you'd ask them for advice and you'd ask them for, you know, you want to try this and, and would we try that? And people, so many people opened their arms up to what we were doing to my brother and I, and it was, it was so, it just, it was such a cool industry in that context and so we just started trying to figure out, you know, what are the tech, you know, it's, I, when I look at our early systems, it's kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. It was, you know, at the, that time it was state of the art, but it, it felt like touchscreen was a relevant thing to do, but to do touchscreen in the early, in, in the early nineties or early two uh, thousands, you, you had to, you know, have a docking, a laptop go into a docking station and then the wires all connect out of it for speaking. It looked like, you know, wind up looking like something, you know, out, out of a, you know, out of an old Twilight Zone episode, what these systems were. But it was what what we've really what we've done from the beginning and haven't changed is try to just try you know, as the years go by, we become a content company. And no matter where people are physically or cognitively, you want to be connected to things that are meaningful to you, whether it's your music or your spirituality or your family or games you want to play or newspapers you want to read. And so what we've tried to do is just curate content and then make it re just readily accessible, both in a group context for an activity director or a therapist, but also from an individual standpoint. So that, you know, my, my parents have been gone forever, but my dad, if I was helping build a profile for my dad, and that's kind of how our software works, is that each person has their own experience. I know that my dad would have the Wall Street Journal, uh, a, a, a priest saying the rosary, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and, uh, and, and just things that would, I, I just, and, and the, I know exactly the music he would like. And that's, again, that's, it has nothing to do with how old we are. We all just want to be relevant. And that's what we try to do with our technology is make it relevant for that individual person. Is the software used primarily in the skilled setting? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it really, it can be used in any setting. I think I am kind of equal parts, so proud and equal parts frustrated that a lot of times we've kind of been pigeonholed into a memory care context, a dementia context. And I think a lot of that is it's so hard to find 
meaningful programming for people living with dementia, especially mid to late stage. And we've really excelled at that. But the ability, the, the content that we have on our system is we, we pride ourselves on the fact that it really does span the horizon cognitively and, and to be able, and you want to make it, you want to kind of balance the content with where is that person and you, you don't want to make it demeaning and you also don't want to make it too difficult. So a lot of the, the, the games and some of the interactive uh, content we have in the system is curated for different levels of cognition. So you're able, you know, someone that is more independent and they want to go to Paris, they're going to have a different experience than a person far down the cognitive path that wants to go to Paris, where that would be a little bit more, um, you know, a, a little bit more visual and, and audio as opposed to, you know, a, a quiz about the Louvre or things like that. Your product is the original resident engagement application and resident engagement applications are such a, a buzzword now. And it's something we hear so much about is a must have for communities and a competitive edge. And I'm curious to get your perspective on how you've seen technology in this space change during the time you've been in the yeah, industry. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's funny you say that because I because everybody has their own definition of engagement and, and you know, people turn a vacuum cleaner into it. Oh, this is an engagement vacuum cleaners. I mean, it's like an adjective that goes in front of everything. So, uh, I mean, I think our definition of engagement is just what, what, what makes a person enthused and, 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 and captive and, and want to be connected and want to, and want to be relevant. So, you know, to be honest, I feel it, it's, it's kind of funny because you don't, I do get, I mean, I don't mean this to sound self-serving, but I, but I do personally get a lot of compliments as to how ahead of the curve we were and innovative we were. And to me, it was just like such common sense that you want, you know, that what would my mom or dad want? And, and, you know, just make, make it, it's such a simple concept that you're just trying to let people get what's relevant for them, make it age appropriate, make it relevant, make it non-demeaning. You know, there's an art to doing all that, but the concept itself is just very simple. I think the reason, to be honest, I think the reason we survived and have thrived when so many people haven't is I, um, and I'm such an aberration compared to other startups, is that I diligently, and it's funny, nobody, it is the funniest thing for me, Amber, when I go to say this to like people starting a company and they ask for my advice. Because this is like the the it, this is like the biggest buzzkill you could tell a 20, 20 something is because what I did is when I was like 25, 26, I I knew I would want to do something later. I didn't know what that would be. So I just started diligently saving money and saving money and saving money and investing that money and saving money. By the time I was 40, I had enough money to start a company. And then the spark came to me through the donation of the computer. But I didn't have to, for the first six, seven years of the company, I didn't have to spend one minute looking for looking for money. And, and if I would have had to do that, it, it, took, it took me eight years to get a paycheck. It took the company 10 years to turn a profit. Any normal investor would have, would have shut us down. And I think that that's the, 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 the different, the big difference to me in 
my old life to this new life, my old life of technology in the Silicon Valley is, is customers would make quick decisions with no loyalty. And the world of senior living, at least the experience I've had, has been people take forever to make a decision. But if you do a good job, the loyalty is, is unbelievable. And I think that's what, you know, we've gone through some transactions and have done some things over the last few years but it was from a position of strength, not a position of, of groveling for, for money. Though I did eight years into it, I ran out of money and I had to go through the grovel from uh, gravel for money stage. And, and so I, I've, I've kind of lived all that different stuff, but I just think that it, um, I don't know, long winded answer your question. I'm, I love to see different companies popping up. I love to see how engagement does matter to people now. COVID so accelerated that it's a great thing, and so I, I love the fact that that what we're doing now is not a novelty. It's much more mainstream, which which is great. I attended Leading Age National in Indianapolis a few years ago, and I attended a presentation where they there was uh, a several physicians talking about how they had done a case study where they had uh, removed psychotropic medications in a memory care unit and replaced it with your product and were able to um, show clinical results of using the software that were equal to the medication, which I find really fascinating. And I, I talk about that a lot as an example of how technology can be used in this industry. I'm curious if you have any stories you can share or um, impacts that you can share with our listeners uh, of something like that or something similar. Yeah, no, what's funny, the whole research thing is hilarious. I'm such a hypocrite. I'll, I'll open myself up to hypocrisy because the first the first 10 to 12 years of the company, you know, I, I was so dismissive of research and I do still kind of feel this way is that I think a lot of times lack of research becomes just an excuse to not do something that you know you should do. Cause like, you know, where's the research that a Ruth Chris steak is a lot better than a, you know, than a McDonald's hamburger. There's some, you know, it, it, do you need research to say that someone putting a puzzle together, if it's a picture of their grandson, they're going to be more engaged than if it's a, you know, something shoved down their throat. So anyway, but then what, what start, what I finally, kind of started realizing is that it, research does matter and outcomes do matter. And so we were fortunate to be a part of several projects. I mean, I'll kind of answer it broadly and then specifically. Broadly, we had the good fortune to be a part of several case studies, several research projects. And we brought a, uh, we have uh, Dr. Lydia Nguyen, who works for IN2L now. We have a, a, a PhD on our staff. She's phenomenal. And it's really cool to be able to take what we've seen anecdotally over the years and turn it to research. For me personally, I still get more, I get more juice out of an email from a daughter saying mom was so depressed all the time. And now she's doing, now she's doing this or that on our system, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a game or just virtual chat kind of feature. I just, I love the, per, I love going into communities and just seeing people doing things and, and hearing their stories and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's nice to be able to have kind of the mix of the big broad picture outcomes of what we do mixed to, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just a whole bunch of individual interactions that it's really cool that you know that they do make a difference. What was the tipping point for IN2L? 
uh, from a technology standpoint, I was like a kid in a candy store when HP came out with their touch smart that all of a sudden integrated the touch screen into a P into a, you know, into a relatively compact PC. Uh, so that was, you know, that was a, a technology transformation. We did a, a, a major project with Brookdale. Within the first 10 years of the company, it was so frustrating for me because we'd have all these nonprofits that I loved to death. We loved the leading age world, but they would go get grants to buy our systems. And the, the for-profit world, I just didn't get it. Cause you know, you'd read their mission statements and you, you know, we put the residents first and we do this and we do that. And, and they wouldn't buy our, our product. And then we had kind of two things happen fairly close to each other. A company uh, called, um, they, they've changed their name. There used to be Pinion Management in Colorado. And then Brookdale. I mean, those two for-profit entities bought into IN2L. They just budgeted it and bought it. And all of a sudden, it really flipped the switch that, you know what, that families are starting to demand this kinds of thing. And then we were able to kind of really be able to have a product that was worth people budgeting and buying. So, and then also, you know, it's so much stuff is incremental, but just such cool people along the way. So many people that have worked for the company that uh, I, I was a pretty mediocre CEO, but but I was passionate. And I think people, I always felt like people would, you know, run through walls for the for the company. And so just, you know, that's hard to make it a, you know, a one-time transformational thing, but it was, I, I, I always feel like, I don't know, the analogy I use is that I was good at getting customers to want to date IN2L but then our team behind us made us want to marry us. And so they, uh, and, and then that was, you know, just the way we treated customers and, and, and the way we still, you know, we still keep that philosophy to this day. It, you know, you get bigger, it's harder to do all that, the same stuff we used to do, but it's kind of fun to, uh, to kind of put that puzzle together. Are you able to share how many communities are using IN2? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're tipping in on 4,000. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, you know, it's it was like, it was fun for me personally. I remember this tangibly, like when all of a sudden I'd hear customers' names that I wasn't involved in. It's like, wow, that's cool. I don't know who they are. I guess we're bigger now. <laughs> are you able to share what the future holds for IN2L? Yeah, no, well, we were, we, were, um, we were acquired by a phenomenal, you know, a massive private equity company called uh, Vista Equity Partners. And it was... That's always, you know, that's always a, a, a transformation for the company because you want to hold on to the culture of what's made you who you are. But they provide a gravitas and a, and a resource base that we've, you know, that we've never had before. So I think that um, I think our direction is really to keep doing what we're doing in the context of engagement, but just keep making it bigger and better, start to tiptoe into the at-home world, not so much that we would directly market to the consumers for now anyway, but to partner with entities that are uh, providing technology, uh, partner with uh, the AAA world, the area agencies on aging, we have projects going along those lines. Um, and also look at other, you know, look at other integrations that take our engagement and then add some of the more practical applications. We don't need to be that company, but you want it to be that the engagement just seamlessly fits 
into the whole ecosystem of, uh, of, of the clinical side of things. And, and, and so there's lots, lots of conversations going on along those lines that are, that are exciting to, uh, to be a part of. I think the technology world in this industry is really exciting. I think there's so many opportunities and so many new things happening. What do you see is the future of technology in senior living? From a broad standpoint, I just think it's an, I, I think that engagement, which, you know, as you said, has different definitions, but I think engagement now has a seat at the table of all of the other applications. And so it just, it's, it's ludicrous to have to buy different devices, different products to do different things. So I think that there's just going to be over the next, you know, this has been said for a long time, but I do think over the next couple of years, there'll be some synergies and, and, and companies coming together to do some of that stuff. So I just think a lot more integration along those lines. I mean, what, what, what do you think? You're, you're a thousand times smarter than I am. And how would you answer that, that question? I don't, I don't know about a thousand times smarter. Uh, I think that there is definitely a, a big application in the home market. Like you, yeah. like you said earlier, um, there's an opportunity to bring more technology and more engagement and connection to people in their homes we see technology becoming almost like a utility at communities yeah. where it's it's expected that this technology will be there and be available and not just be available, but be supported. And I think that one of the things we're seeing is, is communities just struggle with how to pay for that. You know, what's the ROI yeah. on that? Um, but it is becoming something that just, it has to be there both for the families and the residents and the staff. Yeah. And for me, I mean, the other thing I was going to say is for me personally, I am becoming obsessed with the stories of the residents that aren't told. And, and I think, I think you knew a little bit about this 60, 20 tour that I did a couple of years ago where I turned 60, the company turned 20 and I went all over the country in a van and we were doing carpool karaoke and, and we had all kinds of cameras in the van and, and I, you know, I'd spent 20 years going into senior living communities and, you know, you see the residents and you say hi to the residents. And there's always those guys on the outside that are like in their wheelchairs, usually smoking that are like the outside, the, like the, the Walmart greeters <laughs> from a senior living standpoint. But this six, but, but really the reason I was going into a community was to sell IN2L to an administrator, an ED, an activity director, a therapist, whatever it may be. But the 6020 tour was, was the first time that I really engaged with, the elders and the stories they had to tell and people living with dementia when they'd get out of their kind of confined environment and be their, their person. So I'm, I, I'm still kind of getting it put together. I don't want to talk too much about it until I get it put together. When, when you Cheryl and I are together at a, you know, at a, our next cocktail event, well, I'll, I'll tell you more and more about it, but I'm really putting something together that's going to be going all over the country to, that'll still have an IN2L flavor to it. But it's really it's, it's it's my own way. This sounds hokey, but it's it's real to me that I just feel like this whole industry, this whole profession has given so much to me. And it's because of the residents, you know, and, and, and to be able to kind of highlight their stories and help change the perception of, you know what, there's cool people inside the walls of these communities. And it, it's kind of becoming the next chapter of my life a little bit. That's really fascinating. I really love that that's that's your focus and that that is what you're obsessed with. 
especially on the dementia side. It was just fascinating how, so I would take people around for a ride for like 45 minutes and don't worry anybody, any listeners, there was always staff people there with me, but a lot of times the staff would so negatively frame the person, you know, that they might do this or don't ask this or be, be careful about this behavior. And, and, you know, I probably took a hundred people living with dementia on trips nothing bad ever happened. It, it was just joyful. And I think that it was so eye-opening for me, the own, the stereotypes that I had after 20 years of doing this. And so I think that that's, that I have a platform a little bit now to, to run with and to try to kind of help, uh, help change that perception a little bit. That'll be, uh, I'll look for your help. And also the, the bridge, the gap folks. And I do think I want to publicly say that Sarah does all the work that, uh, that, as as pretty as Josh and Lu- and Lucas are, it's really Sarah doing all the work. Sarah is fantastic. Well, Jack York from IN2L, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time and sharing your story with our listeners. The work you're doing is fascinating. I think there's things that we could, you know, talk offline about company-wise, but I love meeting people doing creative things for the right reasons. And that uh, that's that's you, Amber. That's cool stuff. Thank you for joining us today on this month's episode of Raising Tech and special thanks to Jack York. Tune in next month for new episodes on Raising Tech, a podcast about all things technology and senior living. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Raising Tech, where we help senior living communities unlock the power of transformational technology. This podcast is powered by Parasol Alliance.